Thank you for being here. I acknowledge that the city of Hamilton, where I record this podcast, is situated upon the traditional First Nations territories of the Erie, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, Mississaugas, and the Chonodon of the so-called Neutral Tribes. Hamilton is also directly adjacent to the Haldeman Treaty Territory. This land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, which extends between Montreal and Fort Erie. It was an agreement between the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabe. That wampum uses the symbolism of a dish to represent the territory, and one spoon to represent that the people are to share the resources of the land and only take what they need. Hamilton is home to many Indigenous peoples from across Turtle Island, and this land acknowledgement is a small gesture to recognize the rich history of this land, and so that I can better understand my role as a settler, as well as a neighbor, partner, and caretaker. Miigwech. Thank you. Welcome to the arena, where sometimes the hardest part is showing up. My name is Linda McLaughlin. Thank you for being here. Lahifa Pogason Acker is someone you meet and are so much better for the experience. She is a force for good in Hamilton, and she embodies the belief that our strength of community comes through sharing and building each other up. I can't think of a better person to speak to as we come into the holidays at the end of another challenging year. She shares a message of positivity and lives the ethos of generosity, courage, and hope. Thank you for listening. This is episode 46. It's amazing to finally see your beautiful face and and actually have the opportunity to chat with you. For the listener's sake, she looks fabulous. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Linda. So do you, so do you. I'm very happy to be here talking to you. Early in the morning, but but looks fabulous. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So are you recovered from Hamilton Day? You were yeah. running around like a mad woman the last time I saw you. I'm always running around. If it's not Hamilton Day, it's something else. So no, this past weekend, my niece turned 16. So we had a birthday party for her and I was running around for that. So yeah, you just never really recover. You just keep it going. So you don't have to stop to recover. (laughs) And are you going to the Grey Cup? I really want to go, but I also don't want to, I don't want to be out there in the cold, man. I've been thinking about it because I've been to a few games like later in the year and man, it's been such a struggle and I find that I'm I'm not really as focused because I spend so much time trying to keep myself warm. So I'm still debating, to be honest. I definitely got my tickets, that's for sure. Whether or not I attend remains to be seen. I'm definitely going to watch the game, that's for sure. I'm definitely going to be at the stadium right before and right after. But sitting there in that weather, through it all, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I can't imagine you'd be sitting down much. You'd be like up and moving around. Oh, I never really do. I'm always the one that everyone's yelling at to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I, you know, I 100% can picture it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know how Hamilton people like, sit down, sit down. <laughs> Exactly. 
<laughs> if I don't attend period of the game, I'm going to miss that very much. Such a great camaraderie there in, in the pews and the stand. It's just so much energy, so alive, vibrant. I feel a very strong sense of community when I'm out there. But I can also feel it on my couch in my home, where it's warm. <laughs> With my slippers on. Right? <laughs> so we'll see. Either way, I'm going to be out there. I just probably may not be out there for the entire period of time. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So I have an intro that I've written up for you. Okay, let's hear it. (laughs) And my rule is that you can interrupt and correct me if I'm completely off base. I think you'd be good, Linda. I think you'd be good. (laughs) Okay. Lohifa Pogason-Acker. You're a mother, sister, daughter, entrepreneur, social activist, and in my mind, the unofficial mayor of Hamilton. (laughs) Born in Nigeria, you came to Canada at 16 via the UK. Your parents were professionals, and you'd had some opportunities to travel. But you were excited about this new adventure, embracing a new country, different cultures, and the opportunity to get to know people. A great joy in your life. You were an, an extrovert straight from the womb. I have this mental image of you coming out, waving to the doctors and nurses. That's right. That's exactly how that happened. <laughs> your mother was a lawyer and your father was a food sciences engineer. And while you had chosen biopsychology and economics for your career, you also had a great love of the arts, English, and storytelling. You worked at home and abroad in public health, including through the Clinton Foundation to fight HIV and AIDS in mothers and their children. But early in life, you discovered a passion for braiding and hairstyling. Barbies weren't safe around you. (laughs) When you were eight years old, your mother needed her hair styled. She worked at KPMG and she needed a professional look. And you stepped up and did so well that other family and friends asked you to braid and style their hair for them. What began as a hobby became a passion. You continued to style part-time while you juggled your career and young family. You were encouraged to open your own shop and do it full-time. As you talked to your husband about it, he didn't really want you to quit your steady job at St. Joe's Healthcare, and he didn't really believe you would, until one day in 2019, you took the rest of the day off, forever. (laughs) That's right! (laughs) You began to style full-time under Lo Did That. (laughs) Since then, you've had a few celebrity clients, including receiving a last-minute call from supermodel Stacey McKenzie to style her for the debut season of Canada's Drag Race, as well as fellow judge Jeffrey Bauer Chapman. You are much in demand, often booked for months in advance. But you haven't forgotten the people in your community. You actively work to promote Hamilton businesses, BIPOC and LGBTQ+, businesses, and community initiatives related to food insecurity, violence against women, and poverty. You are often boosting others in your Instagram feed and taking on issues important to you. What a gift you are. Welcome to the arena, Lo. Oh, my. Thank you, Linda. Absolutely no adjustments needed. Almost <laughs> And that's it. That's the end of the interview. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is. You captured everything. What else? 
I could have just sent you a picture. We would have been done. <laughs> that was beautiful. Uh, so much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, what a what a, an extraordinary life you've had already, and you're still, you know, relatively young. You've, how young are your children? My kids are six and four. My son is six, and my daughter is four. Yes. Yeah, so wow. That we're at that age where everybody's still very active, no arthritis. <laughs> Nobody's trying to stay in their rooms on their phones or talking to their friends. They just want to be everywhere. We try to keep up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And you're such a busy person. I see you everywhere. You're on Instagram and you're you're doing your shout outs to, for people. And it's just incredible. You have seemingly boundless energy, but I know that there's a cost for that sometimes when you're giving so much and you're putting so much energy out that it comes a time when I'm sure you have to withdraw and just say, okay, I need some low time. Of course, absolutely. I'm, I, you know, I think everybody needs to do that. One of the big tools to enable anyone to do that is to know yourself. I know myself. I know my limits. I know my energy. I know when I'm getting to that point where I'm feeling overwhelmed. So I don't let myself get there. I always use my skill and knowledge of myself to uh, manage myself and pace myself. So it's never like a fool. Okay, that's it. I'm shutting down. I'm going off social media for months. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not. I don't ever do that. I just, I manage myself in such a way that it's a steady pace. And if I do need to take time off, then yeah, I do. I, there's times where I'm off social media for a week and I let people know. I just, sometimes you, everybody needs that break. You know what I mean? There's times when I'm not out and about. I normally am just because I just want to chill. You know, life is about balance, right? Not so much extremes, just balance. And so I've learned to, to balance my life and I, I think I'm doing okay so far. Absolutely. And that is such wisdom that is for many people a lifetime in learning and yet you've learned it at a relatively again i say a relatively young age you're not 16 i'm three years from 14 my friend was here michelle door yesterday and i started her hair michelle looks like she's 20 but she's 47 and I was saying, I said, because I, I thought last time I saw her, because of the pandemic, she was 46. So I said, Michelle, man, how do you know? She says, she says, oh, I'm 47. I'm like, you're three years from 50. And she's like, shut up. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm like, but it's true. You're three years from 50. And the sooner you start to embrace it, the better. Because you're, you're much closer to 50 than you ever will be to 40. <laughs> I, I'm 37. I don't know about relatively young. I have, relatively is a key word there. Because if you put 97 year old then hell yeah i'm relatively young <laughs> well i'm 55 beside you would i be relatively young I oh you know. would be you'd be extremely young <laughs> <laughs> good point good point i think you know i think you know age is very interesting age is very interesting i remember when i was young guy i had this rule uh of, of dating and it was not a minute younger not not an inch shorter and I always say that from when I was like nine years old, not a minute younger, not an inch shorter, not a minute younger. So I didn't want to date a younger guy. And I, hell no, I wasn't trying to date a shorter guy, but I did both. <laughs> <laughs> and that younger guy really taught me uh, that there's age and then there's experience. They're not, they're not linear. You don't, you shouldn't expect someone who is 55 just by virtue of their age to have more experience than someone who's 25. (laughs) 
there are many instances where the 25-year-old is more mature, more, has more knowledge of self, is wiser, more calculating, more you know, well-spoken, more easily adaptable and adjustable. Many instances than the 55-year-old. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it, life is very interesting in that way. So I think experience is really what matters, not so much age. And I've had some experiences in my life. I've had some, I've had some challenges. I've, I've had some rough times. And I think I'm very thankful now. <laughs> Shit, when I was going through them, it was no bueno. <laughs> why, why would God do this to me, man? Why? But I'm very thankful for them now because they put me here. They, they mm-hmm. gave perspective, got me here. They shaped and molded those character traits that were questionable and, and have allowed me to adjust to be here, to be who I am now, to believe what I believe now, to do the things I do now. You know what I mean? So I'm always, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all grateful for those very challenging times because I, mm. I certainly can't be who I am without them. And, and I would value experience over age any day, any day. Mm. So take me back to your childhood. What was dinner conversation like in your household growing yeah, up? Get, a, get on a flight to Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you would want to do that because Canada may not let you back with this Omicron. It's really, um, it's really Nigerians. We joke about you know being the first, you know, the giants of Africa being the first to do a lot of things. Lo and behold, we were the first people to bring Omicron. Well. <laughs> The first, first known, first known uh, people to bring Omicron to, to Canada. <laughs> first known, ain't that something? Nigeria was fun. I, I'm so grateful. I'm very proud to be Nigerian. I'm, I love my culture. I love my people. Um, so funny, uh, someone mentioned the stat the other day that Nigerians make up uh, 25% of the black population in the world. So one in every four people. Did you know that? No. One in every four black people is Nigerian. <laughs> Holy cow. You know, right? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, so growing up was fun. It was great. I have a beautiful family. I have a wonderful family. My mom and my dad, very supportive, very funny, both of them. They instilled a lot of values in me that I still hold dear to this day. They live good lives, honest lives, determined lives, deliberate lives. My parents live very deliberately, you know, and I'm, I'm so blessed to have taken that from them. And then I was blessed to grow up around my grandparents as well. So I met all my grandparents, thankfully. Uh, they're all gone now. My, my grandfather, way last year, I was so mad at him because I was going to take my kids to meet him for the first time. And he always talked about living to 120, like 120 years old. Uh, we were going to go see him last year. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And he passed away at 99, like a week before we would have gone to see him. So he was my last one. Yeah, I know. He was like, because <laughs> he was very outgoing and very community-driven and community-oriented. So when anybody mentioned lockdown or you know, all that stuff from the pandemic, I think he was just like, no, nah, I'm not about this life. Let's check out now. <laughs> We're not sure where this is going. <laughs> so I don't blame him for that because he would have probably just gone crazy having to stay home. What does that, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so I was very happy to have the influence of my grandparents um, up until my early teens. I think my first grandparent passed away when I was 17, but I remember 
very vividly. I remember her values and her approach to life. And uh, I'm so grateful to, to have had all of that exposure. And both my parents come from big families. My mom has six siblings and so does my dad. So lots of aunties and uncles, lots of cousins. We would get together every Christmas at my grandparents and we would kill a cow and a goat. I would watch like my uncles or family members. <laughs> we had lots of things that we would do. Skin the animal. <laughs> Sorry to all the vegetarians, but we Africans, we like our meat. <laughs> All those experiences, I think that I think about them now, and I'm just so grateful for them. And I would, I want my kids to 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 be able to tell these kinds of stories when they're older. And what event in your life had the most profound impact on you? <sighs> wow, I don't think I can single out one in particular. But I went to UBC for my undergrad, and after UBC, I moved back to Nigeria to work for a bit. And I worked around Nigeria. And I think just that that whole just being a third culture kid, you know, I grew up in grew up in Nigeria, UK, in Canada. Going back to Nigeria and wondering how Nigerian you really are <laughs> because you've been away for so long, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then trying to readjust to the culture. Not readjust to the culture per se, but but noticing certain things about yourself that you perhaps didn't even know before, you know what I mean? And also trying to have impact with to trying to navigate a system that's very different from what, because I was in Canada for almost 12 years, 13 years before I moved back to work. So it's Nigeria was a system I visited, but it was a system I'd been away from for some time. So I was used to certain things and then to all of a sudden have to readjust to certain things. It was difficult, but it was necessary. And I'm very glad I did it. I'm very glad I did. So I would say off the top of my head, I think just that move to work in, in Nigeria, in Africa, it, it really, um, it was great. It was challenging, but it was great. It was great. What did you learn about yourself through that process? I learned that I needed to be humble. Yeah, I learned that I needed to be humble. And I, I learned that the, there's never a point where you are too humble. <laughs> there's never a point where you're too humble. There will always be opportunity to even be more humble <laughs> and more humble. That's, that, that was my biggest lesson of that process. And is humbleness related to gratitude? I would say so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think humility fuels gratitude. It is in humility that you recognize gratitude through humility. Mm. I would say there's gratitude and then humility is a vehicle that transports gratitude. So I think, yeah, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think a humble person is more likely to be grateful than a proud person. Hmm. Mm -hmm. What does living a courageous life mean to you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Never had that reaction. One of the reasons that I even agreed to this podcast here is because I love the name Linda I love the name and I wish we could have that on banners and billboards all around the world all around Hamilton just remind people that you must live a courageous life and it means many things to me it means taking the time to know who you are because we are who we are I don't believe 
I don't believe that people come into this world and then they become somebody. No, I believe that you're born who you are, right? And then, and then you're nurtured. So more of that is more of who you are is nurtured to be more of who you are or to be less of who you are. But you are still who you are, right? So I think knowing who you are is a first step to living a courageous life. And then the courage to be who you are. That's the second step for me. You got to know who you are and then you have to be comfortable and courageous to be who you are. Those are the two foundational things for me. You know what I mean? I think they want you to know who you are and you're comfortable and courageous enough to be who you are. Then you will be honest with yourself. You will be honest with people around you. You will, you're more likely to be happy because you have that knowledge, you have that base, you have that assurance in, in yourself, in your values. You will empower other people to do the same, to be comfortable with themselves, to know themselves, to love themselves, to share themselves with others. You're less likely to tell lies to yourself or to others. You're more likely to share and to care. You're more likely to give, to be less selfish. You're more likely to, to be deliberate right? Because you're deliberate about yourself, about that knowledge of yourself. And so you're more likely to extend that to, to those around you and to your work, to, to your lifestyle, to your friends. That's really what it is for me. I think being yourself is the first step to just living a courageous life. But then you can't be yourself if you don't know yourself. I can hear the all the yeah buts, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, Lo, you're so confident. I'm not confident. I don't have this, or I you know I don't have any money, or I don't have... And there are so many layers to why people don't embrace who they are, and all the excuses start coming out. But I think, as you've said, that acknowledgement of who you really are, but that brings up the fear of, yeah, but what if people don't accept me? My family is so different than me. That's exactly it, Linda, is how much of all the yeah buts have to do with other people and how much of it has to do with you. Anything, any yeah buts that has to do with anybody outside of you, eliminate it. <laughs> it is irrelevant. It does not matter. It doesn't matter in that process of getting to know yourself and get to, it doesn't matter. You have to define yourself for yourself. That's what Audrey Lord says. I think it's Audrey Lord. Define yourself for yourself or other people will do it for you to their advantage. They have the sense <laughs> to define you for them to their advantage. So why are you defining yourself for them to their advantage as well? You know what I mean? If, you, if there's anything that is stopping you from loving yourself and knowing yourself and being yourself that involves someone else, cut it off completely. Your definition of yourself should start and end with you fundamentally. And then you can extend it. I'm married to my husband. I have children to my children. I'm a daughter to my mom and dad. I'm a sister to my, my sister and my brother. But initially... No, you have to, it, it shouldn't be about how other people may see me, what other people may think of me, what other people may say of me. Do those people pay your bills? <laughs> Are those people going to be lying in a grave with you when you're six feet below? If you won the lottery, are those people going to come and lay, lay claim to it? No. <laughs> so why do we give other people, and this is one thing I had to learn, why do we give other people so much power over us? And so ironically, Linda, is people we don't even know. 
We don't know them. They don't know us. <laughs> they don't even know our names. They don't know what we look like. But in our heads, we've just created this vision of oh, potentially what people will say. Who are these people and why do they matter? Why do they matter? Why does their opinion of you matter more than your opinion of yourself? I never understood that. Preach. And I don't think I... <laughs> Preach, my dear. Preach. It's such an important message. And I, I, I'm projecting here, but I think that's why you are such an effective booster of entrepreneurs and others who are putting themselves out there in the world and taking a risk and making the leap from one career to another, or like I say, putting their creation out there, whether it's food or art or fashion or whatever it is, because you do have to confront those voices, those, yes. the others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Honestly, I found this true in my life. The more I get to know myself, the more I get to love myself, the more those voices are silenced. The knowledge of self that silences those voices because you become louder. You become the loudest person in the room within you. So you're only really hearing yourself and all those voices, they, they have to go. <laughs> they have to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to my point about that knowledge of self It's so important. And a lot of times we just go through life very mechanically. We raise children mechanically sometimes. You don't, you're not really self-aware. A lot of us are not very self-aware, not really raising children to be self-aware. You have to be self-aware. You have to be self-aware. You have to. Otherwise, we just become byproducts of the people around us, the things around us, and of our environments. Who, who wants that? <laughs> who wants that kind of life? Because <laughs> you want to be in charge. You want to be deliberate about taking in those parts of your environment, those parts of your culture, those parts of your education, those parts of your religion that, that are true to you, that build you up, that give you that confidence that you need. But you don't want that process to happen without your awareness. You don't want it to happen nonchalantly. Making choices as opposed yeah. to absolutely, absolutely. having it happen to you. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well said, Linda. What, what has stopped you in your life? What has stopped me? Stopped me. Ah, that's a good question. I think I, I can't think of any moment where I was stopped, but if there was ever one, <laughs> it would be myself. Yeah. It would have been me stopping myself and it would have always been for good reason. I try to be very deliberate about my life and about, about how I live. And I, there's people in my life that I absolutely trust. So I run things by them, you know, mm -hmm. women of faith. So I, I pray and I run things by God too. And then I feel, right? I, I feel. And if I'm stopping myself, then it's for good reason. But, you know, there's, I can't think of a time in my life where, someone else has stopped. It won't ever happen by God's grace. <laughs> awesome. What goals do you still want to achieve? That's my business. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, many. There's quite a few. There's quite a few. I want to see... I want to see, first of all, a Hamilton community that's, that's thriving. It's thriving. I want our community to really end up on the other side of this narrative, this 
poor narrative, all the issues that we've been facing, particularly over the last two years, the hate crimes, the homelessness, the the racism, all that stuff. I want to see our community end up on the other side. So in whatever ways I can have impact on, on the change, the shift that direction, I want to do that. And I find that just even my community on Instagram, for instance, all, all like-minded people, all caring about our local community and improving and making it better and supporting each other and stuff. So I'd like to see that. And then there's that goal, but then there's also the small goals in between to eventually get there, making sure that we have the resources and the tools as community members to get there, to be impactful, to, to share and learn from one another, to support each other, to, to get to that point. I want to um, I envision a, a day where there's a few community centers around Hamilton where people go in and just feel supported. They know, hey, that's a place I can go and I can feel renewed. I can be charged up. I'm feeling down. I can be lifted. I'm feeling weak. I can be strengthened. If I'm feeling not confident, I can be boosted. If I'm feeling sad, I can receive some joy. That's my biggest dream, just to just have spaces around this town where (laughs) I'm getting emotional now, (laughs) where people can just go and just, you know, just leave all your stuff, all your baggage, just leave it there and then pick up some new energy, pick up some new, pick up a charge. You know how you just charge your phone when the battery's dying? I want those spaces to be like the charger. It's coming and just be plugged in and you go out there, conquer all your fears, you squash all your goals, you come in and, and believe again that you're able and capable and you'll get it done, whatever it is. And then once you've done that, you can go out there and encourage someone else to do that. And they can encourage someone else to do that. And then we do all get to that point where we're just happy and thriving and growing together. That's the most important thing, together. That's the kind of virus that the world <laughs> needs. Yes. <laughs> I'm not that virus. I take I'll take all the variants. <laughs> That's right. I want to ask you what your what your legacy is, but I think you've just answered that question. <laughs> Unless there's something else that you I don't know. Ask when I'm like 85 or something, you know. <laughs> when, I, when people think of me, I want people to think of joy and, and happiness, and I want people to think of courage just like you when i see courage now all the time i think of you linda Mm. think of to to think of yeah i think of courage and authenticity and and just being deliberate and i want those are the things but more importantly just joy and happiness and that's it when people remember me i want them to smile and be like yeah she was always smiling man (laughs) so true the million watt smile what would you do on your last day what last day of your life. Who thinks about that shit, Linda? <laughs> do you? I do. Oh, yeah, sure. Wow. I don't know, because I feel like that's the kind of stuff where you think about if you know when your last day is going to be, right? We don't know. We can only speculate. So I can speculate what I would do. I would have a parade. It'd be like, <laughs> I would. Yeah, I'd have a I'd have a freaking parade. If it could run from one end of the earth to the other, I'd do it. I'd have a parade with music and food and balloons and like dancers and stuff. It'd be like full blown party, all kinds of food that you can think of. Because I love food. 
<laughs> and all kinds of music and drums and like, you know, trumpets and yeah. And I'd like high five everybody done my time, carried on, done my time, carried on. And, and that's it. And then I peace out and ascend to the heavens. <laughs> Absolutely. In a chariot, for sure. <laughs> that's exactly what I would do. Gold chariot, golden. <laughs> <laughs> Waving to you people. My, my regal wave. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's been a pleasure. It's been real. I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> nice, nice. If you had the opportunity to have a five-minute conversation with someone, living or dead, who would that be? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There's so many of them. There's so many of them. There's so many of them. Uh, Thomas Sankara would be one. I don't know who that is. You need to Google, Linda. Yes, I do. <laughs> and so does everybody else. That's your homework for today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, I'll put and a link. Another, <laughs> another one would be Rumi. Oh, yes. I love poetry. Um, is there a particular quote that you love or that you go to? Oh my God. There's, there's so, so many from Rumi. Oh, there's so many. I can't even begin. I can't even begin to, to but Rumi fundamentally believed in, in just celebrating the inner being, like same thing I was talking about, knowing yourself and, and celebrating yourself and understanding that the real self is on the inside and working on that on, on the inside. No, not all this, all this stuff that the world focuses on, no, inside what's really going on there what are you doing to nurture that so that's why i really like Rumi. who else who else do i really i like music so there's there's quite a few people that i would want to talk to but where do i begin there's so many i really like paul simon so i would like to chat with him i like miriam makeba i would like to chat with her wow there's there's so many people you'll I, think of them after <laughs> we're done i'm sure i'll think of a, i'm sure i'll think of a lot of them i would like to talk to oprah as well I would like to talk to Oprah. Michelle Obama, too. I'd love to talk to Michelle Obama. She's pretty awesome. I quite like her. Yes. Yeah. I think she'd like you. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> one day. <laughs> That's <laughs> One day, one day, one day. Yeah, man, there's so many people. Oh, boy. Yeah. There's so many people. But, yeah, those few for now. I'll probably send you an email with a longer list after you. <laughs> <laughs> any final thoughts before we wrap up and i this will be my final i booked the whole day off for this <laughs> we have eight hours to go <laughs> go get more coffee <laughs> um final thoughts i think in summary uh, I've said this and I, I can't stop saying it and I won't stop saying it is you just really need to, if you're out there and you're just living, what did we say? You, you put it very nicely, Linda. If you're just letting life happen to you, right? That's what you said. And that's so brilliant. Mm -hmm. If you're just out there letting life happen to you, you need to stop. You need to really stop and flip that, right? Flip that. You happen to life you happen to life and and you can't do that without knowing who you are so take the time to really know who you are and it's a lifelong process right 
a lifelong process of learning about yourself. But for every new part of yourself that you come to know, accept it. Accept it and celebrate it and share it. That's, I think that's really what makes life beautiful. Mm, it's gorgeous. Thank you. And do you have any questions for me? Anything I've asked you or something else you want to ask me that? Yeah. What are your life goals, Linda? (laughs) (laughs) I truly want to know. Well, you know, I've been on a, I think a journey to allow myself to be myself. Awesome. Over the last three, four years. And I'm not 36. (laughs) So it, you know, it's been a battle for me for a very long time to not be myself. Right. And one thing I would add to what you just said is that one of the things that we need to do when we're taking that journey to find ourselves is removing all that stuff that numbs us and being on, on, on the gram, there's the social media thing too, which is the latest drug. Absolutely. I agree with you there. That is in danger if we allow it to strip out who we are because we're trying to see ourselves reflected back through these the TikTok videos and all these sorts of things. And there's there are very few, few people who are being authentic in that context because sure. they're using these filters so they look better than they actually do or you know, whatever. <laughs> so my goal is to continue to do that work, to work right. toward myself. Right. And continue to explore what's next and staying open to what's coming. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's really great. And then then to keep sharing yourself like this. Yeah. I think this is so powerful what you're doing. And I'm I'm so happy that you're taking people's stories as you are and putting it out there for others. Because a lot of people have have lots of stories, lots of wisdom embedded in those stories, lots of knowledge, lots of lessons, Mm -hmm. but taking those stories and all those gems within those stories and then putting it out there for, for more people so it could reach more people. I think that's that's so awesome. So regardless of what your bigger goals become, because I know you're going to just go out there and crush it. Make sure you keep doing this because this is important. This is important. Thank you so much. And and how can people find you? I'll put in the show notes. Yes. Find me on Instagram, the drug. The gram. <laughs> the gram. Lo did that. L-O-D-I-D-T-H-A-T. I'm also on Facebook, but I'm never really on there. Instagram is my thing. And then from Instagram, you can connect with me via email. You can connect with me in my DMs. And I'll have a website coming up really soon next year. So you'll be able to connect with me on there as well. Awesome. During our conversation, we spoke about the Grey Cup, the Canadian Football League's trophy. Well, as it turns out, our Hamilton Tiger Cats did not win. I sent Lohifa a note the next day with my condolences, and she replied with, Ah, don't be sorry. It's a stepping stone to greatness. Can't be sorry for that. I will share Lohifa's social media handle in the show notes. And if you need a lift, there's no question she's a bright light on the social media scene. Thank you for listening please follow or subscribe to this podcast. And if you feel someone else needs a smile and might benefit from listening to this episode, please share it. And if you loved it, leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
become a member of the arena. Go to my website, thearena-podcast.com and click on the support button. It's so greatly appreciated. And I look forward to sharing my next guest story in the new year. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season. Until next time, my name is Linda McLaughlin in The Arena. Arena.